everyone. Welcome to In The Corden, the place where every cricketer wants to be. I'm your host, Callum Dunk, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. Uh, joining me to talk about the fourth test match between India and England is Lewis Dade. Louis, how are you, mate? Going very well. It was a fascinating test match. Uh, fingers crossed that we get a good result here out of this last test match, but all in all, I think uh, I think the result fell the right way. Yeah, it was uh, just such a fascinating test match. Uh, India ended up winning the test match by five wickets, thanks to Shubman Gill and Jarrell uh, forming a pretty strong partnership. I think it was about 80-odd in the end to get India over the line. But, Louis, I was really worried about this pitch um, the first day. I saw one that genuinely rolled and hit Ben Stokes right in front of the wickets just before lunch. I think last ball before lunch, actually. And I was just like, oh, here we go. This could be another uh, indoor-type wicket from the India and Australia test uh, test match last year. But the pitch actually played pretty well. It played better than it actually looked. There was an odd ball that kept low, but I think that's what kept the game interesting. And overall, it was a very good game of test match cricket. Um, did England, you know blow their chance to to get square in the series. Absolutely, they did. But the quality of, of these Indian spinners, Ashwin, Judasia, Kuldeep, were really able to keep India in the game and restrict England to a, a total of just under 200. So what did you make of the test match, Louis? I, I thought it was a very competitive test match. I think uh, England certainly had their chances to win it. I think they'll, they'll rue... The second innings a little bit. Uh, obviously, it goes without saying, it was a difficult deck to bat on. Um, I do think that another mm, probably 60, 70 runs makes it very interesting and another 100 probably well and truly puts England over the top. Uh, but you really can't complain. This is kind of what you want all in all from a test match. The ability to score over 300 in the first two innings and then relatively bowler-friendly conditions down the stretch. So purely from a, a neutral spectator's perspective, I thought it was great cricket. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I love the test matches where, you know, somewhere between 300 to 350 is the top score. And then it really, you know, if you bat well, you're going to you're gonna make runs. And if you bowl well, you're going to take wickets. And uh, you just want that contest between bat and ball, which I think was a fair contest in this particular game. Um, Louis, I just wanted to ask you about the English team selection. They decided to go in with two paces, Anderson and, and Robinson and... I know Robinson made 58 in the first innings and formed a really good partnership with Joe Root, but I still feel like it was the wrong decision to play the two quicks. And I think an extra spinner on that last day, um, well, on the fourth day, but the last day of the test match would have really helped. Do you think England made a mistake? I do. I think some of it comes down to, I think the selectors, you know, not wouldn't say lost confidence, but the selectors probably felt... Rayan Ahmed wasn't necessarily getting the job done. Um, I think you can look at his tour through two very different lenses, depending on how you want to you want to project it. Uh, and so I think there was also that that element of I think they weren't. I think if Leach was fit and available to play, I think you find they would have gone in with the one quick. Uh, I think both teams weren't sure what that kind of because it had that kind of crazy paving, cracking look to it even before the toss. I think both teams weren't sure how much it would favour spin versus pace. Uh, and, I mean, it goes without saying, up top, um, you know, for uh, India when they bowled, and we can get into this more later, you know, their seam's got plenty out of it. You can't really let England off the hook for Robinson scoring 50. Selection-wise, at the end of the day, he's not really picked as an all-rounder in any way, shape, or form. That's a bonus. I think they did miss the mark selection-wise, although if I, I have to give him credit for something. I'm not sure 
Brad Armand would have necessarily made a big difference. It would have been, you know, great if they had Leach or even Liam Dawson available for this kind of game. Yeah, I think with um, Ryan Ahmed going home um, during this test match and our thoughts go out to him leaving the tour for personal reasons, I still think it's a big mistake from an English point of view not to bring an extra spinner into that squad. You mentioned Liam Dawson, who has been, who's played test cricket before and, you know, always very serviceable serviceable spinner when he has played for England. You know, someone like Don Bess has completely dropped off the radar. You know, I thought he didn't actually bowl that badly when he went to India last time. I think he took eight wickets in the first test match and then was replaced by Moen Ali. So, you know, Bashir obviously did really well in this game. I think Hartley's just losing a bit of gas and a bit of fizz, I suppose, in his bowling as it gets later in the series. You know, he's bowled a lot of overs. So, you know, I think him and Bashir have done all that they could have, but I just think that extra option, um, and this is nothing against Joe Root in particular, but, you know, Joe Root is not a frontline spinner. He's a serviceable spinner, but he's not someone who is going to bowl a side out on the last day to win you a test match. Um, Louis, the... Joe Root has uh, copped certainly a lot of criticism the last, um, you know, four or five test matches and a lot after the third test match where, you know, played that ridiculous shot um, and people saying, oh, Basball and Joe Root. But it's great to see players who respond like this after being down and Joe Root is such a classy player over 140 test matches now 31 test hundreds just sits behind Smith and Williamson at this point in terms of number of test hundreds uh 11,000 test runs as well and uh it was just a spectacular knock it kind of reminded me of a, a Chennai innings back in 2021 it wasn't say as spectacular as that double hundred that he got in his 100th test match but it was just a good response. He played through the covers well. He played the sweeps well. He waited a bit more for the ball to play it behind the wicket as well. So what did you make of the former captain's knock? Yeah, look, I mean, just sensible cricket, right? This is a guy that uh, for a modern-day batsman had a tremendous record in the subcontinent. Um, I think the whole the whole theory, right, with Basball is that if there's a talent gap between you and the opposition this helps bridge the gap by, you know, bringing more variability into the game. And McCullum and Stokes can say what they want about baseball. When McCullum took over the side, they were a poor side, and this this was exactly the logic. Uh, Joe Root was one of the few players that I think we all felt, despite any issues people had as a captain or his issues converting from, say, you know, 70s and 80s to 100s, was that he, he didn't need to reinvent his batting. Uh, baseball has worked for him fine outside of the subcontinent. At the end of the day, I think Joe Root's going to score runs outside of the subcontinent regardless of how he bats. This was just common sense cricket and an elite batter being an elite batter, um, getting rid of all the gimmicks and just focusing on what he does best, which is score runs. So I was really happy for him. I was also happy to see Stokes and McCullum allow him to do it. And, you know, it it sort of shows that for a cultish as bad baseball is, there is some logic there. I just wish he'd done it earlier in the series because I think he's left runs on the table this series with the way he's played. Well, there was a point in this series where he had bowled more overs than he had actually scored runs. So it was good to see a response from Root. And, you know, if this 100 had have come in the in the second test match or the third test match, you know, England could have uh, snatched themselves onto a, a series win at this point or a, 
or a lead in the series at this point. Um, I want to talk about Bashir. This kid I thought was very unlucky to get dropped or managed, whatever you want to call it, from the last game. And he responded by taking five for 119, his best figures in first-class cricket. Uh, his previous best figures in first-class cricket were um, four for 74, I reckon. So, you know, it was a, a great innings, bowled 31 overs on the trot and on day two, which is a massive effort. Um, we, we talked about his control and the release points uh, when he played in the second test match in, in Vizag, but... Um, I genuinely think this kid's going to be something good. I don't know how much he's going to play in England or whether he's going to get an opportunity to play in England, let's say, in the next three years while Leach is still going around. And Leach is still obviously the number one spinner in English conditions and he's the first chosen when they go abroad as well. But um, what did you make of the, the young man? And eight wickets for the match is a pretty impressive effort. Look, I mean, I think one of the biggest issues is that him and Jack Leach still share a county cricket team, right? And we know that um, there is a willingness in, in Somerset to play multiple uh, spinners because of their, their pitches. But at the end of the day, that is going to be a tough avenue to development. I think from his perspective, look, the best case scenario for England is that Bashir's journey is more about more akin to, say, Nathan Lyon. I know Nathan Lyon was plucked from T20 cricket but is that, hey, maybe this is a guy, whether it's through the shape he gets on the ball or, the, or you know, the difference in the pitches between test matches and county cricket, maybe a better spinner than his short first-class record to date shows. I think we spoke about prior to the series and when he came in, he gets good shape on the ball. There's clearly revolutions there. Uh, I think in the right conditions in the UK, he'll be able to spin the ball still. Um, he's tall, which is obviously something that a lot of sides will now prioritise in a spinner. Uh, I think like most off-spinners and lines somewhere well to fight this, the fact that he's, he's really preliminary only bringing the ball back into the right-hander could present issues for him down the line. Uh, he's certainly a much better bowler than his current first-class record to date shows. The challenge for English cricket now will be how do they get more first-class cricket into him and is he going to be gifted more first-class games as a result of him playing in the test match system or will he be expected to earn them? Is that at Somerset or outside of Somerset? There are many questions here, but England would be playing this poorly if they just left this in the hands of the counties to see whether, um, you know, Shah Bashir is going to play more first-class cricket this season. And we have talked about the issues in county cricket. There's probably three grounds in England that properly spin, and um, it's a shame that Leach and Bashir play at the same county, as, as you've mentioned. So uh, hopefully there are some some movements to, uh, to rectify this and, um, obviously, the pitchers need to change a little bit in English conditions in order to cater these spinners and and develop them so that they are ready to play Test cricket. And um, obviously, England's got some good good solid spinners that they can call call upon. But you know, with the lack of first class cricket, you know they do need to be able to develop across all conditions. Uh, let's talk a little bit about India now. Jarrell um, was the find of this game, and we didn't touch on him in the last. Um, the video that we did. So we'll give him a bit of a credit where credit is due. I thought his innings with the bat in the first innings to get 90 uh, fell short of 100, unfortunately. And he was patient early on. He knew when to defend, but at the same time, when there was an opportunity to attack, he really tried to go after it. And he made the tactics for Ben Stokes a little bit... Uh, 
a little bit troublesome. And the fact that he was able to bat with Cool Deep as well, who played a really good supporting role. Uh, I think he finished up with 26. You know, this kid certainly has some talent. And I was a bit surprised when they decided to go with Jarrell instead of KS Barat, because I thought Barat had done extremely well with the gloves. Sure, he wasn't setting the world alight with the bat, but uh, there's certainly a lot of options for India in terms of keep number of keeper batsmen that are available to them. And um, we've been able to see some of these keepers through the unfortunate injuries to, uh, to Rishabh Pant. And um, England will know that they've got a couple handy replacements ready. So what did you make of the, the young man with the gloves? But uh, I think more importantly from an Indian um, point of view with the bat. I think he probably has now passed Barat, just to clarify. I think that it, I'm not going to go so far as to make a strong comment on Jarrell's keeping. To what I've seen, he's looking quite quite clean and quite efficient. I do rate Cass Barrett as a keeper. I've seen enough of him now to, to know where I stand on that. Um, I, I think that, broadly speaking, Jarrell's keeping seems more than up to scratch. Again, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that, you know, I've been watching him play games for, you know, who does he even play his first class cricket for? Uttar Pradesh, I believe. Um, so like, at the end of the day, he looks he looks you know more than good enough to me. What was really impressing me footwork wise in the in the and just generally in that second innings, he was very quick to make his decision about going forward or back. He had a clear plan forward, back, or on the crease, how he wanted to play it, depending on the line. Uh, you could see his hands were very good. You could see when balls were reacting a little bit bizarre. He's got very quick hands and just a you know, he shows all the all the kind of keynotes of playing spin and spinning conditions that I think coming from a country like Australia, I'm just so jealous to watch a young man go out there and bat and be able to have a plan against spin and look so organised. I'm, I'm mindful that Indians probably feel the same when, you know, young people from centre nations come out and play, you know, pace bounce and swing really well. Um, geez, he looks good. And geez, this Indian, this Indian factory of talent, just it, it, every time we get a look at it, it just seems deeper and deeper. Um, really mature innings. I think it's natural that India are going to, in the long run, be always thinking about the return of Rishabh Pant, and, and I think the upside of him is worth it. But, hell, from what I saw Jarrell in this game, is there any reason why he couldn't play in this team as a bat um, as well as a keeper? Because, you know, great hands, good first-class record, young, mature. Um, that 90 in, in that kind of deck, um, I believe he scored, yeah, 90, is worth... Uh, and, and then, you know, a, a key a key 39 knot as well is worth a lot more than, you know, someone coming out and making a hundred on a flatty, in my opinion. Yeah. And it's just, I'm, as you said, I'm so amazed by the Indian cricket factory. They seem one person get in, gets injured. Someone steps up. We talked about, uh, Safraz Khan in the last game and I thought he'd looked outstanding. Not so much this game, but they just keep to just keep finding players who can fill roles and, you know, obviously every nation around the world would be jealous about this kind of talent and pathway system that they are creating. And their development's being fast-tracked, obviously, with the ability to play such high-quality cricket. We see IPL, you know, these players are dominating IPL and then obviously dominating first-class cricket. And because they've experienced these high-pressure situations before with IPL, they are so much more likely to be able to make the jump to the next level because of the pre the experiences that they've had. So it's just phenomenal. I want to talk about Akaj Deep. I thought he bowled really well in the first innings and he wasn't even used in the second innings due to the, the potency of uh, Jadeja, uh, Ashwin and Kuldeep Yadav to, to bowl England out quite 
cheaply, I suppose, in the second dig. What did what did you make of him? Took a wicket with a, a no ball wicket for his uh, first wicket in Test cricket, which is a bit of a shame, but um, was able to take three pretty early on to put England right on the back foot. Uh, yeah, firstly, it is funny how many I was thinking of this. How many debutants take wickets with no balls, and I, and I have two theories. One is that. Uh, in first-class cricket, line ball, no balls are probably not called. Anyone that's ever umpired someone that bowls more than about 120 clicks knows you can't really look at the front foot and the ball at the same time. My second theory is that guys are so pumped up on test debut, they're just trying to steam in and they push the front line a little bit. Jeezy, um, I know the, I know the deck was favourable with a bit of sideways movement. Jeezy looked good, didn't he? Um, you know, ex- absolutely exposed everything wrong with Zach Crawley's technique twice. Uh you know, I, I was almost more upset that, that that first wicket didn't go through because that, you know, those stumps were knocked over deluxe, right? Crawley was beaten all ends up, farm boy gate, regulation, knit back, see you later kind of areas. And at the end of the day, he then backed it up with Ollie Pope, right? Ollie Pope, an LBW to the naked eye that you think is that going over. But Ollie Pope's a small man and these are, you know, English, these are Indian conditions. Um, it'll be fascinating to see him watch him bowl outside of India, but he was able to generate plenty of movement and, and nip off the deck. Um, showed plenty uh, from my perspective. Good carry considering the deck. Jeez, again, a lot to like there. Uh, not sure to read into him being a touch expensive considering it was basketball. Um, but he's a guy that I could picture actually bowling well somewhere like Australia because he does seem to hit the deck hard and present the same. Uh, lots to like there. I, I don't think Zach Crawley wants to be facing him uh, in English conditions, that's for sure. Yeah, the the pace battery that in India do have now is just extraordinary. You know, Boomer didn't even play this game. Shami's injured. Siraj, you know, Akhaj um, deep. Um, you know, there's just so many. Umesh Yadav. You know, there's so many quicks that they can call call upon to to do the job, and they'll probably end up being another three or four quicks that we end up getting surprised by when they come out on their tour to Australia. So, um, Louis, looking at the third innings, this was really where the game was lost. And Ashwin's been quiet-ish this series, but still having an impact. Um, And I thought Kuldeep Yadav was extremely impressive in this game. He fought in there for, I think, three and a half hours with Jarrell to, you know, get India 50 short of England's first innings. And, then took four for 20-odd with the ball, and um, Ashwin obviously took a fifer. So where were the key areas in the second innings for England that really lost them the game? Look, there's a couple of things to, from my perspective to, to go through here. I think Ollie Pope, I don't think, picks half of Ashwin's variations. And I think for as well as Pope batted in that big 100 he hit, I'm not sure I'm convinced leaving this tour that he's he's got a concrete plan against spin to be an elite player. Um, obviously, he showed an ability to score. Uh, I think credit them for picking the, the wrist spinner. Um, you know, for as good as Ashwin is, uh, you know, Yadav w- was able to make quite an impact there. Um, and when you look at the fact that he got out, you know, their most set batsman uh, with Crawley, again, playing back, got got out Stokes, playing back. Um, Ashwin, I, I think Ashwin's probably at a similar phase to his career now, ironically, to where Nathan Lyon is, which he's maybe not at his 100% peak, he maybe's lost 5% of what he can put on the ball. But this is just all the corporate knowledge, going to work, making sure he's working through his variations. Guy's not picking him. Ball's attacking the stumps. Um, you know, Jadeja was tight, but potentially just fatiguey a little bit after he's had to do a lot of donkey work this series. 
Uh, and again, it's, it's Yadav for me, right? Like, uh, on top of that as well, four for 22 off 15 overs, bowling left-arm Chinamans. Yes, Ben Stokes, it kept low. Yes, you got two grubber balls. Welcome to India. This is the third innings, right? So I think it's a good sign uh, for India that Ashwin's still able to, you know, continue to turn it on when he needs, but also good that that next spinner in waiting is, is starting to show his ability to consistently take wickets at test level. I remember when Kuldeep Yadav made his test debut against Australia 2017 Dharmashala and the series was on the line and I think he took five wickets on debut and I just was always impressed with the way that he got the shape on the ball, the drop that he got, the drift that he could get as well. And, you know, he played a test match in Sydney, took five. And then there was those couple of years that he really fell off the radar. And I think it was when he got picked up by Delhi Capitals and was under Ricky Ponting that he got a bit of a boost back. He was playing for KKR the few years prior and not getting a game half the time, which I thought was just fascinating. Um, so the fact that he's really standing up at this point, I think within two years he is the lead spinner in this Indian attack, both home and away. I think his wrist spin in Australia and um, I think in English conditions as well would be quite effective. But as we've seen in recent time, there's been such a reluctance to play wrist spinners in the subcontinent. And statistically, I think it's just more with the finger spinners and their accuracy. But, you know, wrist spin spinners can genuinely bowl teams out. And I think Cool Deep just has this X factor about him, which is so exciting. And I've always rated him, but, um, yeah, it's um, I think it's time that he, he gets a proper opportunity and um, he went a long way to proving that in this game. If we're looking ahead to the, the fifth test in Dharmashala, which is one of the most um, beautiful looking um, grounds in world cricket with the Himalayas in the background, uh, traditionally a pretty spin friendly wicket, but um, obviously good to, good to bat on days one and two. Um, do you think that both teams will make any changes? We've been saying for the last couple of games that uh, KL Rahul should be coming back into the side, but hasn't quite yet with that uh, niggling quad injury. But we'd expect that uh, Pasijar would be the one to, to make way. And um, England have chosen not to send over an extra spinner to replace uh, Rayan Ahmed, who left the tour, as we mentioned earlier. So um, it looks like they'll be going with the two two quicks again. Um, what what do you think both teams are going to do? Look, my instinct is if it wasn't best or his 100th test, they might use this to pick a young guy, even though in the scheme of runs scored, best was adequate this game. I think a pair of 30s. Um, although, again, guys playing 100 tests, you're looking for more than just statistically adequate um, yeah, you know, it's a tough one for, for England, right? Because this is usually when you'd naturally want to pick uh, the the young flyer spinner that you've probably not played. Um, the reality is that, that they've played those guys. Um, and so I think from their perspective, there isn't necessarily a, a bowler you can... We know that Ryan Armand's not coming back. Um, I, I think there might be an idea to potentially have a look at what other quicks you can play. I know Anderson, knowing him, will probably be desperate to play. But, you know, could you look at someone like... Uh, I think Gus Atkinson might be on the tour. Um, you know, Dan Lawrence is, is a guy that's been around the side as a as a batting option. It's hard to figure out who really makes way, though, uh, from an English perspective. I mean, if you look at the batting averages, Bairstow is comfortably averaging the lowest of the frontline batters at, at 21. It's his 100th test, and he's, uh, you know, also just come off an okay game. Folks is the next one averaging 21. 
Um, you're not dropping Bairstow and folks, right? Then it's Stokes at, at 24. And then everyone else above that's averaged 30 plus and been okay. So I'm not sure there'll be a squeeze. I think there'll be one bowling change. I suggest it will be for probably Jimmy Anderson, even though he's bowled pretty well. Um, I think it will probably be Gus Atkinson uh, just to just to give him a look. India have got a plethora of options here. I mean, the logic is Boomer won't come back in now that the series is tied up. He's also, you know, fully entitled to come back in. I think you're right. I think Kale Rahul in for, for Padadar is the most op- obvious option there. Uh, and other than that, the only change I think you need to make is if Jadeja or Ashwin puts their hand up and says, look, give us a spell. But I don't. those will be licking their lips at some more wickets on home soil. I highly doubt either of those two are going to want to put their hand up and, uh, and sit this one out. So I think you'll probably see one change on both fronts, a bowling change for for the uh, Poms and uh, a batting change there for India. Would you potentially look at, if you did want to play Dan Lawrence, giving Bairstow the gloves and then playing Dan Lawrence at six because like, I think folks has been extremely solid this tour with the gloves, but probably hasn't done as much with the bat as we were probably expecting him to. He's chipped in with handy knocks here and there, but do you think that's an option for them? So would I do it personally? No, I I think Ben folks, the second best knock in this, in this game for England, I'm just putting what Robinson did to one side because I can't even begin to compartmentalize that. Um, and I've got my own issues with Ollie Robinson's weird YouTube channel with his girlfriend at the moment. But um, the is that really folks are the second best innings of the game for for England in my in, to my understanding. I mean Crawley's sixty in the second innings, but that forty seven was big. It was patient. He batted around Root. It allowed Root to do that. I think the biggest concern if you want to play non baseball cricket within baseball is hey, you're going to run out of partners. Like how is this going to work? I also think folks, there's nothing technically. Batting in India is hard. There's nothing technically that makes me think he can't average, you know, mid-30s as a test cricketer. Uh, and I think he's an elite glove. Um, so my instinct is no. Do I think England could do it? Absolutely they could. The other obvious one here is, is does Ben Stokes, you know, take a rest? I don't think he'll want to. Um, but you could easily bring Dan Lawrence into that spot. Uh, so, yeah, look, I would personally be dropping best, though, bringing in Lawrence. Um, I also think that out of fairness to folks, it's a weird notion to his career that he's in the side, but it's lingering over the back of his head that at any point they can just drop him and not for another keeper, but for a batter. Uh, I don't know if that's a fair way to position someone as a test cricketer, uh, just being transparent there. I do suspect if they're going to drop someone, it will be folks. That is categorically not how I'd be handling it though. Yeah, the only reason I ask you that question is because of what happened to him with the test in I- against Ireland last year, and obviously the test in in the uh, test series in the Ashes. And I think he has been treated harshly throughout his career. And it's just more: do England want to go for that extremely aggressive route? Um, and you know, we've seen him be treated harshly and pushed to the side pretty pretty um consistently throughout his career when um you know he was in really good form the 12 months up to um him getting dropped for the ashes which you know i think he was averaging about 45 in that 12 month period so yeah it would be interesting to see but louis just want to say big thank you for coming on in the court it's always great to chat cricket with you and uh we'll see you back for our fifth test review after Dharmashal. Absolute pleasure, Callum. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to reviewing this fifth test and the rest of the series. Thank you so much to those of you who are tuning in at home. Make sure you're following In The Corner on all of your major social media pages. We have some really awesome episodes coming out with some very famous Big Bash cricketers. So make sure you tune in for those and we'll see you on our next video. Cheers.